Hello there and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Geraghty. On today's show, we're joined by Janelle Estes, the author of User Tested, how the world's top companies use human insight to create great experiences. Janelle is a CX leader and strategist who has authored white papers and articles and spoken at industry conferences like Turing Fest. Janelle is currently the Chief Insights Officer for User Testing, a video-based user experience testing service company that helps companies test their products thoroughly before releasing them into the market. Before that, she worked for UX pioneers, the Nielsen Norman Group. In today's episode, Janelle takes us through the process of user testing, how to go about capturing human insight, how to actually make sense of it, and how to create a culture around it. Janelle also talks about how businesses' obsession with data has created a disconnect from customers. It's a really interesting chat, so let's head over to studio to meet Janelle Estes. Janelle, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to start by hearing about your journey to this point in your career. You know, could, could you tell us a little bit about your career background? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in my current role of Chief Insights Officer at User Testing for just about four years now. Prior to moving into this role, I had different roles at User Testing. So I've actually been with the company for eight years and played in a variety of places, including uh, on our actual professional services team, also started our solutions consulting practice when we were kind of shifting from a transactional sale to more of a solution slash enterprise sell, and then actually led our services team for a bit before moving into this role. Prior to user testing, though, I was at uh, Nielsen Norman Group, which is kind of a premier UX consultancy run by Don Norman and and Jacob Nielsen, who are very Mm -hmm. well known in the UX experience and research space. But let's say, how do I say this? I didn't plan to land here. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When I first went to school, college, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And actually, this field didn't really exist in the way that it does today. So in this field, I mean, this field of really thinking about customer understanding and really empathizing and learning about who your customers are to ensure that you're making and building experiences that really work for them, that really deliver value, that are easy to use, that are in some cases delightful this area has sort of really grown and blown up in the last 20 years or so. I still think we're in early days. We're just getting started. But, you know, when I first sort of stumbled upon this area, I think I had switched my major four times between economics and finance and accounting and marketing. And then I found this little niche area. Uh, I'm so grateful that I did because it's, it's truly fascinating. It's really about understanding how people think how they process information, how they make decisions, and using that information to build experiences that really maximize how the brain works. So super fascinating. I could probably talk about it for a long time. And I (laughs) I feel very fortunate to be where I am today. And in my role as Chief Insights Officer, a big focus for me is spending time in the industry and with our customer base to really understand how are some of the best and brightest organizations and enterprises in the world, how are they doing this work? How are they bringing the customer into everyday decisions? And how can I take what's happening and all the best practices and even setting the tone for the future Mm. of this? How do we sort of roll all that up into something 
really meaningful because as I mentioned, I think we're really still in the early days of this and we have such a big opportunity in front of us. And I feel fortunate to be able to be part of helping define what this looks like for the next 20 or 30 or 50 years. Well, I I, I suppose even if we jump back a a bit in your fantastic book, User Tested, How the World's Top Companies Use Human Insight to Create Great Experiences. In it, you kind of talk about how businesses became like almost obsessed with data and, and how that creates a disconnect from their customers. And I was wondering if you could kind of talk us through how that shift happened and, and you know, why it's not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for um, mentioning the book. You know, it was uh, something that I co-wrote with the user testing CEO, Andy McMillan. It came out in, in February, but but really the whole premise and, and in fact, what I wholeheartedly believe in and, and, you know, what I see as something that we really have to be thoughtful about moving forward is, you know, way back when, you know, there's stories of Sam Walton, right? When he first created Walmart, kind of walking the aisles of the wall, talking to customers, watching kind of what they were doing, trying to figure out how do I build a better shopping experience for these folks? How do I, Mm. I make it so they want to keep coming back to Walmart? And, you know, that is really hard to do when the entire world has shifted to more digital experiences in general. So it's not like you can go walk the hallways of your mobile app. Yeah. <laughs> There's no kind of direct interaction, I suppose, with customers anymore. Exactly. And But what we've decided to do is instead of connecting with our customers as humans and really understanding what they need, we've actually decided we want to track what they're doing with a bunch of tools and platforms and things where we can see where are they going? What are they clicking on? Where are they dropping off? You know, it's a lot of the what. And what ends up happening is that when you're looking at a dashboard of, let's say you're looking at a dashboard of your conversion rates for a checkout flow, if I if I carry through the Walmart experience, mm. you're going to see a lot of behaviors. And, and by the way, many teams spend days all day <laughs> in these <laughs> platforms. And, you know, What's missing is understanding like, why are people leaving the product detail page or why are people Mm. not completing their purchase? And that's, you know, that's really where this level of human understanding comes in. But to answer your question of how we got here, I think it's sort of the, the shift to digital and the shift to all of these platforms and tools that help you track what everyone's doing on your digital properties. But what's interesting is that I believe that the sort of challenge that digital transformation and this like kind of proliferation of all these digital tracking platforms, mm. the, the challenge of it and how we got here is actually using technology and platforms like user testing and other platforms to really, you know, take advantage of being able to use technology to do a lot of this work, which, you know, my background is in this work. I've spent, you know, weeks working on a single, you know, project to understand, mm. you know, customers. And with these, some of these tech-powered platforms, you can do this type of work in hours because you're able to reach people faster. Mm. You're able to, you know, layer in some technology and artificial intelligence and machine learning to understand what's going on so you can process and get to really the the moments of insight that really tell you exactly what's going on. So... 
we're not saying get rid of data. It's just that we should be using it or we should just be more smart about how we use it. Yeah, absolutely. I would never, ever say, you know, data isn't important. I think it's just, but it is just part of the picture. Yeah. You know, it's just part of this holistic understanding. You've got to marry, you know, what's happening and all the data that you're collecting with, you know, who your customers are as as people, as human Mm. beings. And you know, what's interesting about this is that when you actually bring the customer into these conversations, right? Or you you show a video of a customer and you can and, and the team can see their face as they interact with an experience mm. or they give you feedback about something that they don't like or something that they do like about what you've been delivering. It builds this story for your team in a way where you don't get those types of stories when you're looking at you know, a pie chart or a dashboard. Right. You know, and actually, if you think about how the human mind works, we love stories. Our brains eat them up. And so when you are connecting with a customer as a person, you're building a narrative in your mind about that person, what they need, the feedback they've given you. And what's great about this level of insight and understanding is that it pulls the team together. It rallies them around this shared understanding of who the customer is. But most importantly, it actually really fuels or accelerates action. Because when you're looking at it, you know, you're looking at a, a pie chart or your NPS score, right? And you're like, mm. oh, I can't wait to go yeah. <laughs> increase my NPS score by one point today as I, you know, <laughs> sit down at my desk for the day. But when you when you actually can look at and understand the core issue from the uh, customer's perspective, you see the story, you relate to that and you say, you know what, I'm going to go fix that today and make that experience better for everyone, not just that individual, but for everyone. Before we continue with today's guest, I just want to take a quick second to let you know about our amazing archive of podcasts. It's full of insights from thought leaders from the worlds of product management, design, marketing, and a lot more. People like Megan Keeney Anderson. Megan was VP of marketing for HubSpot for over nine years. She joined us to talk about how marketers should adapt their customer acquisition strategies in the age of the internet. Internet will rise and fall and go through different iterations. And our job as content creators, as marketers, is to really study that and stay close to it and adapt. You can hear Megan's episode and lots more on intercom.com forward slash blog forward slash podcasts. Okay, let's get back to today's interview. So let's talk about the process of user testing, you know, and how, how do you go about capturing you know, the human insight within and what steps should people take to start off with? Yeah. So, and this is also outlined in the book. We have a whole, the whole second part of the book is really about if you've never done this type of work before, how do you do it? So how do you find the right people? How do you ask the right questions? How do you, how do you find the the signal within all the noise and, and ultimately how do you take action on it? And You know, a big, big first part of this type of work is really trying to define what's the question you're trying to answer. And that's actually one of the hardest things to do because we tend to think about things so broadly. And when you have a really broad approach to this type of work, you end up, let's say, uh, it's, it's amazing how much information is thrown at you when you watch just a couple minutes of somebody using let's say your competitor's experience. And so if you don't have 
I don't want to say narrow, but if you mm. if you don't have sort of a key question in mind that you're trying to answer, it can get really overwhelming to the point where you don't really have a direction after you, <laughs> you know, conduct this type of work. Yeah. And so formulating a, a specific question, but then also tying it to something that the business cares about is really how this work becomes super impactful within an organization. So let's say you are looking at really understanding, I don't know, whether or not your FAQs on your mm. site are the right content and they're written correctly and people can understand them and you know there's not content missing. I mean, if you imagine that type of work where you send a bunch of customers to that page, right? They're walking the aisles of the yeah. FAQs, right? <laughs> Coming back to that and saying, you know what, we, we're asking this question, but ultimately what we're trying to do is make it so, you know, our customers are more satisfied because they're able to self-serve, but also perhaps even we get to reduce call center volume or chat volume, or again, you know, something that is either about revenue growth or saving money uh, and tying, tying your work to that. So, you know, starting with a focus question, tying it to something the business cares about, and then ensuring that you're talking to the right people. You know, we tend to believe that our customers are just like us. I mean, mm. that is actually a cognitive bias that that we have as human beings. We think most people, especially the people that are in our closer circles, are like us and have the same beliefs as us. And what's so important about this work is that you're getting outside of your bubble. You're getting outside of, you know, the people that you're exposed to every day. And you're talking to people who just aren't like you. And what's so important about that is that you get to see these new perspectives. You get to see the world through other people's eyes. And right. when, especially when you have a broad, just even like a general consumer audience, like your average customer is not, you know, especially for tech companies, like your average customer is not sitting in Silicon Valley mm. downloading mm -hmm. every new piece of software <laughs> or new app that comes out, you know? And, and when we're surrounded by super tech savvy people, we tend to, to have that belief, but, you know, go talk to a mom uh, or, or a dad, yes. you know, in, I don't know, Texas, who is, you know, trying to figure out how to get their kids back to school and, or manage summer schedules uh, in light of inflation and all the other things that are happening around us and impacting them. Like, you just can't get that level of depth and understanding mm. unless you go outside your bubble. And so that's one of the key kind of our core components of this as well. I love that because it, it, like you said, it's just so easy to assume what customers want based on your own beliefs. But, and I know there's, there's tons more, but once you have all these insights, you know, how do you make sense of them and, and kind of, you know, try and put action into the insights that you have? Yeah, it's a really great question because I promise you, if you do this type of work, you uncover loads of things and you're, you can't fix everything. Mm. And so the way that I look at this is I look at it in kind of two ways. So the first way is looking at things like, you know, how detrimental is the issue to the experience, right? Is it creating an experience where people essentially have to restart or start over, or are they, you know, completely disrupted, right? When you're, when you're watching people interact with something, how jarring is it? Also thinking about how many people are experiencing this. I know we've got lots of data that can kind of pair up with what you might be uncovering, but, you know, sometimes looking at 
is it just a handful of people or is everybody running into this problem when you're right. doing the, the type of work? And then also looking at, you know, the impact to the business. If you're not fixing this, you know, what does that do, you know, not just to the customer's perception, but also to your business. And so those are some things to consider when you're looking at prioritizing. And you'll usually come up with a short list, right? Of maybe mm. five to 10 things that you've uncovered that need to be addressed. And then what I do at that point is I take those key issues and I use a two-by-two two matrix. And it's very simple. It's, it's basically you look at the impact you will have to mm-hmm. your business and to the customer experience if you fix this issue. And then also the effort involved in fixing it. So looking at sort of the high impact activities and depending on your workload and resources, you know, choosing issues that can be fixed, hopefully with minimal effort, but even Mm -hmm. invest more effort in some of the major issues, obviously over time can help with, you know, ultimately taking action on the right things to improve the experience and then improve the outcomes for your business. So there's like tons of case studies in your book, you know, everyone from Microsoft to Ericsson. And how are some of these leading companies, you know, leveraging the the human insight? Yeah, I'll give you a couple of examples. So, you know, we've got really great customers who have built this type of insight into everyday workflows and processes where they're making decisions about what to bring to market or what features to build or, you know, even how to build the next great thing. So one of the the customers that I'm fascinated with is actually the idea center at Notre Dame. And yes, we, we certainly work with Microsoft and, you know, most big companies that you can think of tend to be a partner for, for, for those <laughs> folks. Um, but what I love about what the Idea Center has done is they generally are fielding a bunch of ideas from the community, from the alumni, from the professors at Notre Dame. And what they do is they have built essentially a machine or a funnel around how do they choose what ideas to bring to market. Right. And they've integrate user testing feedback into everything that they do. Everything from, you know, is this the right problem for us to be solving to, is this the right solution to bring to market? And then ultimately, like, how do we build this thing in a way that's going to resonate best? And, you know, what's fascinating about them is that they have been in operation for a few years now, and they didn't use this type of feedback early on. Uh, But once they introduced it in the last couple of years, They've seen massive success in terms of the number of startups they were able to launch through the Idea Center, the amount of funding that these companies are getting, and ultimately the performance that these companies show you know, mm. in the market. So I find that fascinating. I also want to share one other story, which is sure. a little bit different. So HelloFresh, they're a global meal mm. uh, experience company, and they've been using us for a long time. And what they're actually doing which I absolutely love is that they have a team of people that are, you know, collecting, you know, this type of insight for different teams within the company. So the product team, the marketing team, and what they end up doing is taking all the interesting things that they learn over the course of a month. And then they build this beautiful curated show, uh, a video, you know, content show, and it's called the insight show. It's a monthly show. It ends up, I think, 
I can't probably give you the specific numbers, but it's very popular. Okay. <laughs> at at uh, HelloFresh, but people tune in every month to see, you know, when we go back to building those shared narratives and shared understanding of our customers, this is a beautiful way to do it. Because what's nice about this is that the team is not asking everyone to go out and talk to customers because, you know, that's sometimes a hard shift for companies mm. to make. But what they do is actually bring the customer to everyone in this kind of curated viewing experience. So uh, I love I this love story. That. I want to see many more HelloFreshes uh, <laughs> in, our, in our customer base and just in the industry in general. I think when we you know, get to thinking about the future, which is really the tone that we're trying to set with the book. I mean, if you read the preface, it really lays out this future of, you know, moving to a place where the customer is just integrated into everyday work. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you go grab a coffee in your break room and there's, you know, a video or a TV screen with videos of customers reacting to your latest marketing campaign or a new feature you launched or... Every time your CEO launches or kicks off the all hands meeting, there's, you know, ability for everybody to connect with a customer around, you know, feedback that they recently gave about Mm. the mobile app that they used. Um, So we tend to have customer data proliferating throughout an organization, but it's usually in the form of graphs and charts and, you know, sentiment analysis platforms that sit on top of social media feeds. And, you know, all of that is super helpful. But imagine if, you just we just kind of reeled it back a little bit and and had just your customer as a person uh, also curating yeah. around an organization. Uh, it makes such a difference. I mean, like we're all about making internet personal here at Intercom, and, and recently we at one of our all hands we had several customers talking about their experience, and it was just so it was so interesting and useful and uplifting at the same time. And yeah, it was just. It, yeah, it was great. And memorable, right? Memorable. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So in a couple months from now, when you're thinking about, you know, some work-related decision or strategy or direction, you'll likely call back to some, oh, remember when mm-hmm. that customer said that thing when they were here? And we should really consider that as part of our strategy. I mean, those types of, you know, exposure to customers, just they're, they're priceless. Yeah. And, and a human insight can be scaled, right? Oh, 100%. Yes. So when I shared the HelloFresh example, that, that is, in my opinion, an example of scaling, meaning, you know, you've got a s- smaller group of people that are collecting and actually kind of doing the work, if you will, but then pushing it out and broadcasting it to the rest of the organization. That's one type of scaling. Another type of scaling that I've seen is, you know, when you have at least the way it exists today, and by the way, I don't see this as the future, and this might Mm -hmm. be controversial. I know it's controversial, actually. Okay. (laughs) Um, So right now, usually there's teams that sit within companies that are responsible for collecting customer insight, whether that be through deploying surveys or collecting user tests or collecting human insight or mm-hmm. you know even looking at data analytics and and thing, things of that nature. I think that's the way things operate today and when you think about scaling today what ends up happening is that that core group of people starts to bring others throughout the organization on board. 
So usually it's, you know, product managers or designers or or people who are making customer related decisions. They bring those folks into the mix. They train them up on how to use the product or, you know, whether it's user testing or another platform. And then we call that scaling. And what's fascinating about this is that I think it's much better than hiring, let's say, more people to join that insights team because that definitely doesn't scale. Um, but you know this this idea of bringing more people into the mix scales to a certain point. But I don't think scaling means we turn everybody into insight collectors. Right. I actually think scaling and through the use of technology, we can expose way more people asynchronously to this type of data. And what do I mean by that? Imagine having an empathy feed. Imagine sitting down and, and grabbing your coffee in the morning and you know y- you have the opportunity to scroll through, let's say. <laughs> and I'm just I'm trying to make it um, tangible because when yeah. I talk about it theoretically, it, it's it's it doesn't really land. Um, and by the way, I'm not claiming that this is something we're building. Um, but, <laughs> but this idea of sitting down and being able to connect with your customers as you drink your, you know, coffee in the morning, as you get ready for your day, mm-hmm. what are the most viewed little video snippets of your customers? I mean, it's kind of crazy, but, and I use this analogy and people are like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about, Janelle? But <laughs> I see a world where if you think about the way that we ha- are consuming information, this this um, real strong pivot to short form video content to the likes of TikTok, right. Instagram, Imagine having something like that within your organization of your customers. Wow. I love that. (laughs) No, I I love it because, you know, we're already kind of like you say, it's already how we're consuming video and we're waking up in the morning and scrolling through all these Instagram stories and TikTok and everything. So, yeah, just before we wrap up, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the future of all of this, considering, you know, customers are more aware of how companies are tracking and using their data and, you know, and then legislation is impacting on how much companies can collect. So what do you think is the future for all of this? Yeah, this is a great question because you know what, even if you're not doing this work today, you're likely going to need to do it in the future (laughs) because (laughs) for two reasons. One is that consumers, people, humans are becoming way more aware of how companies are tracking and collecting information about them. And they want control over that. And you're seeing it in some of the legislation that's being pushed through. I mean, how many people, when you get that alert on your phone that says, this company wants to track what you're doing, do you allow Mm. for this to happen? I mean, I don't know how many people say, maybe a lot of people say, yes, I don't, I don't think they do, but I mean, I think it stops people in their tracks and Mm. essentially decline. So I definitely believe that the consumer or the customer, again, the the people that you're serving are going to really shift the dynamic here. And what happens when you can't track what people are doing? What happens mm-hmm. when you don't have all that third-party data through the cookies that, that you're using? I mean, you have to find another way to build this understanding. So that that's issue one. The other sort of interesting piece here is that this notion of opt-in feedback. So not only are people much more cautious about and aware of how their data is being collected, they also want to be heard mm. more now than ever before. Yes. And so 
imagine leaning into that desire to share their perspective and feedback. Imagine, you know, (laughs) giving people the ability to opt in, to connect with your teams on a regular basis, to feel like they're being heard. I was just reading somewhere that survey fatigue, you know, that phenomenon of survey fatigue, it's not so much the issue of filling out the survey and that it's super long or the questions are confusing or whatever, which is kind of a barrier to, to survey completes, but it's actually people believing that the company is not going to do anything with the information. That's actually the number one right. reason why people don't fill out surveys. So imagine giving them a different avenue and a way to share and feel like they're being heard and in fact are being heard. What's next? Do you have any big plans or projects for yourself or you within user testing? Yes. So I am super excited. We are pulling together a group of industry experts within and outside of user testing to launch what we're calling the Center for Human Insight. And so this is a tech agnostic uh, center that will essentially help teams and organizations build more momentum, more buy-in, and essentially build more kind of human insight into their everyday uh, decision-making. So we're looking at really building a movement around this. You know, I mentioned we're in early days. I really truly believe that. I think we have so much momentum and I think our main challenge is really around awareness. You know, it's fascinating Mm. how many executives that I meet with and I will show them you know, a video of people reacting to the last ad that they launched. Mm -hmm. And I tell them I was able to get that feedback in an hour. And they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea you could actually do, I had no idea this even (laughs) existed. And so, you know, thinking about up-leveling this a little bit, making it less about doing research and more about connecting with your customers every day and in every place you can. And lastly, where can our listeners go to keep up with you and your work? Good question. Uh, You can follow me on LinkedIn or connect on LinkedIn. I also have my own website. It's just my first name, last name, JanelleEstes.com, where it has all my podcast episodes, information about my book, a bunch of articles I've written, and eventually we'll link to that Center for Human Insight that I was just mentioning. Perfect. Well, I'll link to all of that in uh, the blog for this post and in the show notes. But Janelle, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much, Liam. This has been great. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Janelle Estes. If you did, why not help spread the word and give the episode a shout out on social tag at intercom. We'd love to hear from you. That's it for this week. I'll be back next Thursday with another great episode of Inside Intercom. This is Inside Intercom.